0: Everyone, welcome to Crime Colts and Coffee. I'm Kelsey and I'm brin And you have a story you have to tell me. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I was literally just crying, laughing so hard. It's, I hope it's as funny as I'm making it out to be, but
1: <laughs> I'm excited.
0: So, I ordered a bunch of favors online for my wedding for mm-hmm. this summer. And they all came in and mom sent me a picture and was like, oh, all the favors finally arrived because some of them arrived a couple days ago and we were just waiting on the rest. Okay. So she goes, oh, the rest of the favors arrived and she sends me a picture. But as I look at the picture, I go, what's the French? Ha ha ha. Because the favors have like little wooden hearts on them that are supposed to say Timo and Bryn and our, and our date. our hmm. And. It's it's in fucking French. No. And it says Fatima's fiftieth birthday. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> and mom didn't even notice and she goes, Holy shit, that's what they say. Fatima's fiftieth birthday. What? Shit. <laughs> she goes she must have ours in france so i was like you must be kidding and at first i thought she was kidding i'm like you screenshot something online this isn't real (laughs) and she's like i swear i didn't you can look it up and oh my god i'm dying i wonder if they can just resend the wooden hearts and she goes we're giving out 50th birthday favors and she's having a wedding with two people she doesn't know (laughs) I'm actually dead right now. That's the funniest fucking thing I've ever heard. <laughs> I was crying, laughing, and she's like, I thought you'd have a meltdown. And no, goes, you have need to, to hand those out. <laughs> <laughs> the hearts are glued on, apparently, so either they need to send us new ones, or I was like, what if we write on reviews, Fatima, where are you? <laughs> <laughs> Just fucking track her down in France. <laughs> yeah oh my god it's so funny wait how did she not realize (laughs) i don't know i thought maybe it was just like a sample picture she was sending (laughs) (laughs) that is the funniest fucking thing what are you gonna do i don't know ask them to send us new hearts and she's like they're glued on oh my god so that's so funny though
1: how many are there like 200
0: (laughs) a lot like 170 or something once I don't know one yeah 160 maybe holy shit yeah and I'm like okay either we have to get these back from Fatima or maybe the company will send us new ones I don't really know or we're just gonna have to hand those out
1: (laughs) you totally should and nobody but the listeners of the podcast will know <laughs> what it means, they'll just be like, be like What does this mean?
0: They'll be like, Oh, is this the company that they had it made by? <laughs> That's I'm dying. Hysterical. Well, in other news,
1: Bryn's bachelorette party is this weekend. Oh but... my god, I'm so excited! We leave yeah. tomorrow, yeah, it's tomorrow, but by the time you hear it, it'll be a week later. Yeah. I am so fucking excited. And as we speak, my phone has been blowing up for the past hour. Everybody is so excited. Oh. Um, yeah. Everyone's I really I feel really so good. out
0: of the loop.
1: Good. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah. Everybody's really, really excited and sending a bunch of fun things. And it's going to be the best weekend ever. And it's going to be like
0: 90 degrees. I can't wait. Oh, my gosh. I am so pumped. I said today, though, I cannot be as excited until I'm riding in the car tomorrow because there's just so much to get done today and I get so much anxiety with packing.
1: Do you? Have you packed yet?
0: I've been putting stuff on the bed and like I need to do laundry and blah 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 but we'll get it done. (laughs) (laughs) Well it'll be fine and it's gonna be amazing and I can't wait. Oh my god, I'm so excited. I'm sure we'll have plenty of stories for you guys, especially since we're staying in a haunted hotel.
1: Yeah, remember if you're an OG listener, I told the story of when Carson and I got pulled off of the bed in the middle of the night. This is the hotel. (laughs) Yeah,
0: and I think mom was going to request haunted Mm -hmm. rooms. Yeah, we're going to see we shall see. Yeah, it's going to be good. All right, should we get into our coffee review, or do you have anything you want to talk about beforehand? Let's see. I don't think I have anything
1: to talk about. Nothing weird has been happening to me lately. I'm very boring lately. I just go to work. <laughs> I go to work, and I come home, and I sleep and exercise, and that's it.
0: Yeah. But. I feel yeah, Yeah. Besides the fun French wedding favors.
1: Nothing <laughs> that is the funniest hear. fucking thing I've ever heard, I swear to God. <laughs>
0: Oh, I do have a funny story. So I don't think,
1: I don't know if my sister Elise listens to us like religiously every week or if she's caught up. But mm-hmm. she sent me the funniest fucking thing the other day. And me and Carson, Carson was on a pullover. So <laughs> she, she sends, she's a nanny for three kids. And she sends me this kid, the littlest or the middle kid's school picture. And she's like, well, I was in charge of hair day." <laughs> oh no it's the worst thing i've ever seen in my life oh no she didn't say anything no context and just sends the picture this kid straight up looks like alfalfa (laughs) like there is a straight up like alfalfa hair standing up in the middle thing and (sighs) i was like elise like what were you trying to do she's like he requested a mohawk i don't know it must have fallen (laughs) down In the picture, it probably is just
0: one straight line.
1: It's so funny. And she's like, his mom is mad now because this is a skull picture. (laughs) I have to show you it. It's probably the funniest thing I've ever seen in a very long time.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Okay, let's get into our coffee review. Yeah. Do you want to go first? Sure. So the coffee that I'm reviewing today is from Super Coffee. Have you ever heard of them? No. Okay, so... You can buy their stuff online at drinksupercoffee.com. They have in their shop ready-to-drink coffees, which is the one that I bought. It's basically like if you picture one of those to-go Dunkin' or to-go Starbucks coffees that you can buy, Mm -hmm. it's in a bottle, like a plastic bottle like that. And then they have creamer, they have ground coffee, they have pots. So they have all different options. But this coffee was made without added sugar. And it's just supposed to be a healthier and more energy-inducing coffee without that plateau and then crash from coffee. Oh, cool. Yeah, yeah. And it's keto-friendly. It was made from mines in a dorm room. Cool. Like, they created this in a dorm room, and I believe they've been on Shark Tank. So without going too much into the business side of it, since they didn't actually send us this coffee, the flavor that I'm reviewing from Super Coffee is the vanilla latte. So it was kind of basic, but I was at a bagel shop. So I just picked, grabbed it from there and they didn't have too many options available there. It definitely does taste a little different to me from typical coffee. I think that for the... the Natural sweetener and no sugar added and all that. It's still a pretty naturally sweet coffee. It's not hard to drink. It was very smooth. Okay. Which I liked about it. But I feel like because I got the vanilla, I didn't get to experience a more fun flavor. And I'm kind of picky with my basic flavors.
1: (laughs) Yeah. No, I gotcha.
0: So... I was kind of in the middle with liking and not liking it, but wanting to give it another try because they do have some other fun flavors like cinnamon roll and I think they had one that was coconut mocha. Yum. So yeah, so I definitely want to try that. But with this one in specific, the vanilla one, I think I'd probably rate it a seven. Okay. Yeah, like a 6.57. I like it. Okay. Yeah.
1: That's cool. That just reminded me. I feel like this is something I've been wanting to bring up and I keep forgetting because my coffee review is kind of short. So Carson doesn't drink coffee. He never has. He hates like the taste of it. He hates caffeine, everything. So he bought this new thing, I guess. I don't even know exactly what it is. It's called cachava. Have you heard of that?
0: Yeah, but I think only from you guys mentioning it to me.
1: Yeah. So it's basically like kind of like a coffee alternative. And I just wanted to bring it up for people that maybe don't drink coffee and that listen to our podcast. It's kind of it has like a bunch of superfoods in it. I'm not going to get too much into it. because I don't know a ton about the company. But basically, it comes in like a powder. And he mixes it in with I think almond milk. And it just, like, comes out, like, a little bit thinner than, like, a milkshake.
0: Okay. But um, it's supposed to
1: give you lots of energy without it being the caffeine high and low. That's what it actually reminded me of yours. So he really likes it. So if you're not a coffee drinker, try some cachava. Their website is K-A-C-H-A-V-A dot com. He has the chocolate one, and he says it's really good. Awesome.
0: Yeah. So what are you drinking
1: today? So I have um, my good old Nespresso pods. I have the original Nespresso. Um, and this flavor today I have is vanilla eclair. Ooh. Yeah. So I'm just going to read a little bit of the notes from their website. It's an Arabica coffee, medium roast. And it says, I love this part. If you dare the decadence, try it as a cappuccino and taste sweet almond notes dancing through key- creamy custard taste. Aw, that's a nice yeah, description. It is. So Um, I really like medium roast. As you know, we've talked about this before. I like this one a lot. I just put some almond milk and a little bit of creamer in as well. I I really taste the vanilla notes. I'd probably rate this one mm, for like a home co- coffee like a seven.
0: Okay. So we're pretty much on point with the same ratings for our coffees today.
1: Yep. Even though they're different.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Always on the same page. So should we get into it today?
1: Yes. So grab your coffee and have a morning with us. So I'm going to start off today's episode, and this is about the yogurt shop murders. This takes place December 6th of 1991. The events that took place happen in a frozen yogurt shop called I Can't Believe It's Yogurt. Um, Immediately when I heard of this title, I thought back to, do you remember, I don't know if they were here or if they were down south, tcby is that what it was called
0: yeah we had a bunch of tcby's around here
1: yeah i immediately thought of that it's not the same but i thought of that
0: i still remember the taste of my favorite tcby frozen yogurt it It was the white chocolate mousse yeah and it was so good and i would get it with chocolate sprinkles and it was so good i love frozen yogurt okay back
1: to it so this shop was actually located in austin texas at 2949 West Anderson Lane, 17-year-olds Jennifer Harbison and Eliza Thomas were employees at the shop and were working there that night. Jennifer's 15-year-old sister Sarah Harbison and her 13-year-old friend Amy Ayers were also in the yogurt shop. Jennifer was going to give Sarah and Amy a ride home after the store closed at 11 p.m. At 11.47 p.m., the patrolman from Austin Police Department, Officer Troy Gay, saw that a fire was coming from I Can't Believe It's Yogurt. That's terrifying.
0: hmm I think he probably originally thought that, oh, this is just a, uh, like, something set fire within the yogurt shop, like maybe a machine malfunction or something like that.
1: Right, and it's pretty late, so maybe you wouldn't assume that somebody's there. Right. So, Officer Troy reported this to a dispatcher. The fire was extinguished, and the first responders and firefighters went inside. There they found a horrific scene. The crime scene will now be described, and just as a warning, there are graphic and possibly triggering information and details, what I'm about to say. So, if you don't want to hear, please turn the podcast off right now. All four girls had been murdered. They were found all nude. A twenty-two and a three eighty pistol had been used to shoot the victims. They had all been shot in the back of the head, execution style. Oh my god. That's so awful. Like, these are kids. They're so mm-hmm. Sarah's hands were tied behind her with a pair of underwear, and she had also been gagged. Sarah had been raped. Jennifer had not been bound, but she was found with her hands behind her back and Eliza's hands were tied behind her back, and she had also been gagged.
0: These poor girls.
1: I just, like, I, don't, I can't even put myself in the mindset of what they went through that night. No. Sarah, Jennifer, and Eliza's bodies were all found severely charred from the fire. Oh, my God. Amy was found in a separate part of the yogurt shop. She had a sock-like cloth around her neck. Amy had been shot like the other three girls, but had also been shot a second time. my God. The first bullet actually missed her brain, and the second bullet caused damage to her brain and had exited through her lateral cheek and jawline.
0: So horrifying. This is horrible. To think about what they must have gone through beforehand and then have this happen. Right. You're evil.
1: I can't even imagine, like, having to watch each other go through something Mm -hmm. like this as, like, a group of friends and sisters. It's horrible. Yeah. This is a Wikipedia quote. Quote, she was not charred, but she had received second and very early third degree burns on 25 to 30% of her body. Sarah and Eliza's bodies had been found stacked on top of each other with Jennifer's body close by. It's speculated that all four girls' bodies had been stacked, but that Amy pulled herself out or off and had crawled to the other part of the store. Jennifer's body would have also been stacked on top of the others, but could have potentially moved when Amy crawled away.
0: Holy fuck. I wish they hadn't... If that's what happened, I wish they hadn't seen her to shoot her a second time.
1: Right, exactly. Oh, my God. <sighs> this is just horrifying. Like, yeah. I can't even imagine seeing this happen, being in the scene, and then walking into the scene after. Like, everybody that ha- that was involved in this. It's just horrible.
0: Yeah, there is a – I read a couple articles where there was one of the main detectives – That first went to the scene and he said he still has PTSD from it. This entire thing heavily, heavily affected so many people's lives. I'm sure. How do you recover from something like that? So DNA was found from the rape at the scene. And the weapons that Kelsey had mentioned were not found. An accelerant may have been used as there were high levels of BTU output seen in autopsy results, and BTU output is a unit of heat. If you would like to further see the numbers with that, there in one of our articles that we have in our resources, there are those numbers. According to retired Austin detective John Jones, who was at the scene, and he's actually the man I just mentioned, still has PTSD from this, This is a quote from CBS News from John Jones, quote, there was smoke and soot on every surface, kind of made fingerprinting kind of difficult.
1: Maybe that's why they did it. They were thinking that that's that would be the result, the the people that committed the murders.
0: Well, right, like fire and water both would potentially cover a crime scene up. Yeah. And not only that, but destroy evidence on the bodies that's what they were probably thinking as well yeah sadly a lot of the crime scene had been compromised things were badly scorched from the fire dozens of firefighters and police had stormed the scene before even knowing that this was a quadruple murder they went in there thinking it was a fire and then found out that there were actually murder victims towards the back of the store. and like, again, you wouldn't think that
1: at almost midnight, a fire coming from a yogurt shop, there would be that, you wouldn't think you would walk into that kind of scene.
0: Right. And water from the fire hoses had also shifted things at the scene, as well as created puddles in some places of the shop. This happened near where the girls' bodies were found, sadly. Ugh. A back door was found unlocked, which the perpetrators are believed to have left through. And the yogurt shop owners initially offered a $25,000 reward to anyone with information leading to the arrest of those responsible, which is incredible. That's amazing. Eventually, the reward was up to more than $100,000. Holy shit. I feel like... If anyone knew anything or was told anything by the perpetrators because people like to talk about the crimes they do, $100,000 would have been a nice incentive for someone to come forward if all they cared about was money, you know? Right, exactly. That's a big reward. Mm-hmm. December 10th, 1991, more than 1,500 people went to the funeral for the girls. December 12th, 1991, State District Judge John Wisser sealed autopsy reports to, quote, preserve confidentiality of evidence. Here's a little more about the victims. There wasn't too much online, and you'll see in the resources, we went through a lot of information. Sadly, this is what seems to happen, especially with the older cases, where it's more about the crime scene or the perpetrators than the victims which mm-hmm. hopefully will change at some point yeah so a little more about the victims jennifer harbison was described as hardworking, and she was a senior in high school eliza thomas was a role model for her younger sister sonora and always took care of her younger sister oh she, she was an animal lover and she had a pet pig that she wanted to put in a livestock show. Sarah Harbison, which was Jennifer's sister, was a freshman in high school. She liked sports and she was in clubs in school. My God, I can't even
1: imagine the parents of those two girls. Like one, let alone two. It's just... I...
0: No, and I'll mention something that somehow makes it even worse. <sighs> So, Amy Ayers wanted to become a vet when she grew up, and she was a quote-unquote daddy's girl, according to her father, Bob Ayers. Oh my god, I have the chills. Jennifer and Sarah were the only children of the Harbison family. Oh no. I feel like no matter what, these families lost children, and in horrific ways— but when it's your only two children, I feel like that was just just another thing to add to this. Like how you know what do I you, mean?
1: How do you even move on from that?
0: I don't know. Like
1: my heart is breaking for these people.
0: Yeah. So moving on to some customers that were in the shop. Right before all of this happened or during that day, the police located and interviewed 52 people that had been in the yogurt shop that day. Wow. Which is insane that they tracked all these people down in 1991. For real, how did they do that? Really good detective work. (laughs) They were busting ass. I feel like they really wanted answers for this. Yeah, that's amazing. About one hour before closing time, there were known to be at least these four people in the shop in addition to the girls. There was a man who had been allowed to use the toilet in the back of the shop. He took a long time, it said in some of the articles, and it has been questioned if he possibly jammed the back door open, and that's why he was taking so long.
1: So was he pooping or was he a suspect
0: (laughs) did he was he lactose intolerant and shitting his pants (laughs) the world may never know (laughs) yeah (laughs) a couple that left the shop right before 11 p.m was also in there this couple saw jennifer lock the front door so more customers couldn't come in then there were also two men at a booth the couple that I just described saw these men still sitting when they had left. The woman had said that these men made her uncomfortable. Ooh. Yeah. One was described as having light, dirty, blonde, short hair. They said he was about five, six, and in his late 20s or early 30s. And then the other man was just described as, quote unquote, bigger. Okay. They said the men were acting secretive and suspicious. They were, like, hunched over and whispering. Well, I mean, if that's not a dead fucking giveaway. Not to yeah.
1: mention, That's, I mean, that's just weird to me. That just gives me bad vibes.
0: Yeah, and you're in a freaking yogurt shop. Why do you need to be whispering in a yogurt shop? I'm picturing. Like, go, go out to your car and whisper in your car.
1: All right, like, I'm picturing them being, like, so obviously secretive and, like, suspicious you
0: know Mm -hmm. they were wearing fatigued colored jackets so this is like a green army looking jacket and other articles said that only one of the men was described as wearing this while the other man was said to have on a black jacket so there was kind of deferring information there but without a doubt there was at least one man described by multiple people in this fatigue army looking jacket yeah okay and they were possibly in a green car allegedly neither of the men had purchased frozen yogurt what just a drink who goes to a yogurt shop to get a pop it's like uh i want a root beer float hold the ice cream please yeah like that's not fucking suspicious at all
1: so I'm literally picturing with these two, the two goons from Hocus Pocus that stopped the kid in the cemetery and like harassing him. That's what I'm picturing huh. right now for some reason.
0: Yeah, I just, not only were they being really sketchy and whispering and making people feel uncomfortable, all they bought was a soda in a, in a yogurt shop. Yeah, that's weird. The men had been sitting at the booth while the girls were closing up the shop for the night the girls cleaned stocked napkin dispensers and turned chairs upside down on top of the dining room tables which i can completely picture because i worked in a restaurant for like eight to ten years yeah probably ten years and we would always do that at the end of the night flip the chairs up so the floors could be mopped and swept Mm -hmm. and all that yeah so another thing though that's really strange and i didn't put it in our notes in regards to that is that if you i'll post the picture this picture that i'm about to describe i'll post it on our instagram and facebook so everyone can see it there's a picture from the crime scene and there's pictures of the dining room and you see tables you see a booth you see chairs flipped up like i just described and there's one booth where there's no chair on top of the table and the napkin dispenser is empty that's so it's thought that that's where they were sitting
1: right and like they left late
0: right meaning the girls never got to that table because all the other tables had chairs on top of it the dispensers were filled they never got to that those guys table oh my god So I feel like that's kind of clear as day.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Wow.
0: Yeah. And these men were never identified, even though the police found 52 other fucking people that were in the yogurt shop that day. These two specific men were never identified, never came forward. They don't know who they are.
1: Like, how? How the fuck does that happen? Out of all the people, how? Mm Mm-hmm. So, I'm going to read another customer recollection. This one seems to combine the man in the fatigue jacket and drink purchase, and then the incident with the man who went to the bathroom. So, it's kind of unclear if those two men were actually one in the same, or if the first bathroom man mentioned and the fatigue man happened to use the restroom at different times. Just a heads up. I mean, you know, it's kind of like telephone when people are are retelling stories. You don't remember every single detail of something and things can get confused.
0: Right. And like multiple people could have used the bathroom that day in the back of the store.
1: Right. And like, you're not trying to pay attention to everybody that's doing everything. You might catch a glimpse of something, but you know. So this whole quote I'm about to read is from Austin Chronicle. Quote, according to Daryl Croft, a former police officer, who in 1991 ran a security company when he visited the shop around 10 p.m. that evening to buy yogurt for himself and two friends. He was approached by a man wearing a military fatigue style jacket. The man was loitering in the customer line, ushering the customers to order first. When Croft came in, the man asked if he was a cop and offered to allow Croft to also pass him in line. Croft refused and the man finally approached the counter. He ordered only a can of soda. After he paid, he moved around the corner and headed back to headed to the back of the store. Croft asked where he'd gone and was told by Eliza Thomas, who was the store shift supervisor, was operating the register that she allowed him to go into the back to use the restroom. Croft was uneasy and testified that he hung around the corner for a few more minutes to see if the man ever returned. According to Croft, he never did. Like, what are the fucking chances that this guy, Daryl Croft, was in this place, a former police officer that had a security company and was paying such close attention to this guy?
0: hmm. And described the military style jacket. And him buying Justice Soda.
1: Right, like after he was pressured to like go go ahead in line.
0: Yeah. And I had read in one of the articles that Croft actually eventually left because his frozen yogurt started melting. So, and as mentioned, he was there to get it for other people as well. So he kind of just had to dip out of there. Oh, God. Not that he should feel bad in any way, shape or form, but I wish he stayed. I know.
1: You never who, who knows.
0: Who like knows that. what would have happened. Yeah. Who knows if they would have come back another day. You know, the guy was clearly asking if he was a cop, which is right. sketchy as fuck.
1: Right. Like that's the first red flag, you know? Mm-hmm. The man that that he saw had been described by Croft as being a white male around six feet tall, medium build, dark hair, clean shaven mid to late 20s, deep voice, and a long pointed nose. So a little bit differing from what the couple had said, but still pretty on point.
0: Yeah, and clearly he was really observed, like he was trained to observe. Right, and remember.
1: So now on to the investigation. The investigation led to many persons of interest. Family members were looked at, drifters, a teenage girl and her boyfriend, a woman that was involved with a group, quote, Into Vampires, the Occult Graveyard, writes, and that was a quote from CBS News. One was a known serial killer named Kenneth Allen McDuff. He'd been known in the area during the time of the murders. That's why he was basically one of the suspects. He was ruled out, though it doesn't really clarify how he was, but he eventually was ruled out as a suspect, and he was then subsequently executed for his crimes on November seventeenth, nineteen ninety eight. Another was a fifteen year old named Maurice Pierce. So these are all of the people that were persons of interest. December fourteenth, nineteen ninety one, he he'd been caught with a twenty two gauge gun in a mall nearby and this was the north cross mall this was days after the murder so that's fucking suspicious it is important to point out this 22 gauge gun wasn't determined to be the same gun that killed the girls but you know just to throw that out there it was actually unsure if it was analyzed or not but the articles just stated that it wasn't the established weapon he initially gave info that detectives believed to be useful and had implicated three friends of his in the crime who were all under 17 years of age at the time the detectives eventually believed that he was trying to get himself out of being charged for having a gun mm. so that's kind of strange
0: mm-hmm
1: This was somewhat contradicting to what some had believed. This is a Wikipedia quote. Quote, the organized method of operation, ability to control the victims and destruction of evidence by arson pointed to an adult experienced in crime rather than teenagers, according to one of the original detectives on the case, which I agree with. I mean, you don't have a 17 year old running around knowing how to cover up a crime scene like
0: that. Unless I mean, they're, like, super fucked up. But that also that also somewhat makes it seem like they've done it before, if that's the case.
1: Right, like a serial killer.
0: Well, potentially, things would go wrong the first time. or Like, they wouldn't go that to plan the first time committing a crime if you're, like, a 14-year-old child. Right. Unless, I, I don't know. Unless you are
1: a sociopath or I don't even know that's people blow my mind when we talk about these kinds of things when we talk about these cases and it's just like how in the world do things happen like this
0: yeah and you would think certain things are out of the realm of possibility but they're not
1: exactly that's they're exactly really what not trying to say it's like we've we've talked about so many cases that you think like there's there's no way a human can do this to another person and it happens
0: Right. Years later, a new detective believed that the four teens could actually be credible suspects to look at. The teens were now in their 20s, and they were interrogated by multiple detectives and some of the suspects confessed. The confessions implicated all four men to being involved in the murders. These men were Robert Springsteen, Michael Scott, Maurice Pierce and Forrest Wellborn they were all arrested in fall of 1999 and something that i was going to bring up earlier was at this point there were there was a statement in an article that once the ball started rolling with these teens again at some point down the line i think it was early 2000s it was either 1999 or early 2000s, where that gun was then tested mm. to be ruled out. Wow. No records had been kept from the initial 1991 interrogations.
1: Love this that. Could have,
0: I know. This could have affected the later interviews for multiple reasons. Was information the same during this interrogation? to the information that was relayed during the 1991 interrogation or had parts of their stories changed see this is why like i don't understand why 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 would you ever just like throw the records away right especially with a case that has not been fucking closed and solved i'm just so happy that how,
1: how far the criminal justice system has come since even the 90s and it's just like how the fuck do you throw records away
0: yeah because now they can't compare statements right yeah also in the 1991 interrogations had detectives supplied information to the suspects that they are now stating in this one so were they given that information to now be used as credible information this time around oh my god It should be noted, one of the detectives conducting the interrogations, his name was Hector Polanco, has since been accused of coercing false confessions. This was regarding the case of Christopher Ochoa and Richard Danziger. Moving on to the trial, two of the four men were sent to trial, Robert Springsteen and Michael Scott. Their statements had been self-incriminating, while the other two men, the one, the evidence he was presenting was kind of contradicted, so that was ruled out, and then the other one, something just didn't hold up. Mm. So their statements had been self-incriminating, and there was no hard evidence presented during these trials. Ugh. The confessions alone basically had them convicted. One of the men was sentenced to death and the other was sentenced to life imprisonment because he had been 15 at the time of the murders. What the hell? Mm Mm-hmm. This is just scary. Very scary. (laughs) And I really hope things have slightly changed since then, but we've seen in other cases that people are still wrongly convicted all the time i'll never get over not to cut you off but
1: i swear to god this like will never leave my mind i don't know how in a catholic school they let this happen but it happened it was like a special program that i was in and they brought this man who was wrongly convicted in prison for 20 years who was then like subsequently released because they found out that he was innocent and he wow. can't to speak to us I swear to god I could have I could have listened to this guy for days it was the craziest thing I've ever heard in my life wow and I, I've I've never I remember his name I remember everything about the conversation it was the craziest thing I've ever heard and it's that's, scary
0: that's very scary Poor guy. Yeah. Ugh, I just, I felt so wow. bad. Wow. Both convictions eventually ended up being overturned because of violations of the confrontation clause. So this is a quote from Wiki, just to kind of explain what that is, because some of you might be like, what is the confrontation clause?
1: hmm
0: Quote. The Confrontation Clause of the Sixth Amendment to the United States Constitution provides that in all criminal prosecutions, the accused shall enjoy the right to be confronted with the witnesses against him. This applies to criminal prosecutions, not civil cases. So the prosecution had used excerpts of each man's quote-unquote confession during the other's trial Without the other one testifying. Wow. So they basically wouldn't testify against each other. So they're like, okay, we'll use these recordings or excerpts of your confession. But they used one person's against the other and the other's against the other. Does that make sense? Yeah. So Springsteen's case was overturned in 2006. And it's unclear when Scott's exactly was overturned. But June 24th, 2009, both men were freed. October 28th, 2009, all charges were dismissed against Springsteen and Scott. The prosecution claimed the men would be retried, but forensic testing proved that the DNA found at the crime scene was not from any of the four men. I'm going to throw up. And forensic testing wins again. It always wins. Put it on fucking People Magazine.
1: Wow. That is so fucking scary.
0: I wish I went into forensics for a living because my mind is mind blown by DNA and genetic testing and forensic testing. Like just mind blown like could you imagine where the
1: criminal justice system would be if it wasn't for that we would be fucked
0: yeah and it's still evolving yeah which is incredible like look how many people have been put away within the last three years alone because of the change and evolving of this kind of testing it's insane to me it's so interesting The DNA was determined to be from an unknown male, and they determined this through YSTR testing, which was fairly new in 2009. Moving into the aftermath, December 23rd, 2010, one of the four men implicated that had not gone to trial, which was Maurice Pierce. Remember, he was the one who first implicated the other three. Mm-hmm. He was shot and killed. Austin police officers Frank Wilson and Bradley Smith had pulled Pierce over during a traffic stop. Pierce had taken off on foot, struggled with Officer Wilson, eventually pulling a knife from his belt and stabbing Officer Wilson in the neck. What the hell? Yeah. This is like so fucked up
1: like this case has so many fucking casualties and messed up things aside from the actual messed
0: up case right and you could have potentially gone away for this yogurt shop murder and your dna was proven to not be there and you still just murdered someone like what or try sorry you still just tried To murder someone. Holy fuck. So Wilson then pulled out his gun and shot Pierce. And Wilson, thank God, Officer Wilson survived his injuries. Thank God. There have been many false confessions regarding the yogurt shop murders. Over 50 people have falsely confessed to this crime. Wow. Another fucked up reality like why i i don't know it doesn't make any sense no i under i some i shouldn't say i understand i somewhat grasp why the two boys who were like sentenced may have if they were being pressured and interrogated and False confessions happen, but why would 50 people willingly come forward and confess? Right. Like, what the hell is that? This included the serial killer McDuff that Kelsey mentioned earlier, in which he confessed on the day of his execution. Like, what is the purpose of that? I feel like what it comes down to is... Either these people are mentally ill or want some kind of infamy, even though this is not something to be known for, right? Or in this case of this serial killer, he was clearly a fucked up person and he maybe just wanted to hurt people in one last way that he could or make right. people wonder, you know?
1: That's true, I could, yeah, yeah, I could he's see
0: probably that. like a psychopath, yeah, but. Then I think there's just some random people out there who maybe just want to be involved in the case somehow. I don't know. God. Or there's those coercion situations. There's just so many things. It's really... All of it is unexplainable and inexcusable, though. Yeah, agreed. In 1992, two Mexican nationals had also confessed... They were held by Mexican authorities and eventually cleared as being false. And
1: understand.
0: again, one of the articles that we provided, I don't know which one in specific, has a lot more information on their situation and what happened regarding that.
1: So crazy. Yeah. So in 2017, Austin police investigators searched a public online DNA database to see if he could get a hit on the DNA from the crime scene. Because remember, they were able to pull that in, you know, and get that from the crime scene, which is what Mm -hmm. I was wondering if they were going to get to this. Investigators Mm -hmm. thought they had found a match, but this is a CBS News article, quote, but there was a problem. The seemingly matched sample on the public database had been submitted anonymously by the FBI. It belonged to a federally convicted offender, arrestee, or detainee, but had no name attached to it. When Austin authorities tried to get a name, the FBI would not provide it, citing privacy laws. Like, what?
0: Yeah. What? My thinking behind that is if they didn't want to provide it then shouldn't the fbi just fucking go after this person and check them out right like isn't that their job and like they have the name of someone who potentially was connected to this long unsolved cold case why wouldn't they want to jump on that even if they couldn't willingly give that information to
1: the Austin officers. I don't understand. This case is so confusing. <sighs> also a side note. To the DNA being tested. A YSTR. And not a complete DNA profile. It can be. Also tricky to get. a Like a powerful match. If that makes sense. So in genetic genealogy. 67. 111. Or even more markers. Are usually used. With this specific YSTR sample, it only used 16 markers. So, significantly less than what you'd think of as today as, like, a complete DNA profile.
0: Right. So, like, instead of them being like, oh, this was a guaranteed match to this person, since it only has 16 markers, it could probably, it'd be, like, a wider range of people to match to. Right. It's...
1: That's crazy. Early 2020. We're freaking 2020. Wow. Yeah. The FBI agreed to work alongside Austin Police Department to see if further testing could be done on the DNA sample. Amazing. February 5th, 2022, an announcement was made regarding the cold case. This is a Wikipedia quote. Quote, advanced DNA technology was bringing investigators closer than ever to solving the murders. Wow.
0: I have the fucking chill.
1: Me too. Literally, my whole body is like (laughs) shivering.
0: I love DNA technology. Like what? (laughs) It's fucking 2022. Incredible. I really hope this is solved. Imagine it was solved this year. I would die. Oh my God. This is just the craziest case. (sighs) Ugh.
1: It's been 30 years since the crime took place and over 30 years with no answers for these families or justice for the four lives that were taken. It's crazy. It's so sad. So just to wrap it up quickly, if you have any information about the yogurt shop murders, you can call Crime Stoppers at 512-472-TIPS or the Austin Police Department homicide tip line at 512-477-3588. We'll be putting those in our resources as well as the show notes. But um, if you're driving, don't worry about it right now. (laughs) Wow. So crazy. This case is just, it had so much, I don't even know how to, how do I explain it? Like It had so much backlash and so much went wrong from this. Just I feel
0: like and even carrying on into people into their families lives and stuff cuz there's more online about that and how it's affected the families and and the investigators involved and all of that and it's just unreal let alone the girls whose lives were tragically taken when they were literally just starting their lives yeah I just it's said- so sad I can't even believe it. No. What? This case was, is a crazy one. And I just really hope that DNA technology helps it to be solved after all these years. Yeah, agreed. It's just horrible. Do you think that the, the people, because there was probably more than one person involved, do you think that the people who did it, were on their radar at all like are any of the people that were mentioned or in any of their files or do you think it's someone completely unknown
1: i don't that's a good question i feel like how do you interview so many people that were there and miss the two sketchiest people Mm -hmm. like that i feel like those two people are definitely the people that did it and they didn't interview them and they couldn't find them
0: Right, which is a red flag in itself because all these other people, they were either able to track down or these people willingly came forward Right, because there was a lot of publicity with this murder. The, I saw pictures online of billboards that were put up and cars with like massive posters on the back, be- like ads on the back with these girls' faces on it. Wow. It was highly publicized.
1: What do you think?
0: I I lean towards those two men as well.
1: Yeah. But
0: it's just a matter of finding out who they actually were. Like, they could have been people just passing through, especially if no one recognized them. Right. Oh, it's just so sad. Mm -hmm. I'm looking at the picture of the chairs on the the tables. And hopefully when they are found, when, I'm saying when, because it, it will happen yeah putting that out there hopefully when they are found they're still alive to be held accountable and not that they got away with it and were able to enjoy 30 years or of their lives knowing that they did this right thank god oh this just makes me so mad i know So anything else to add to the end or do you want to get into our spiel since this is kind of a rougher one and we don't really have many happy things besides the DNA? Just
1: keep our fingers crossed that things are going to come of this and we'll end it with that. So you can go on our Facebook, Crime, Cults & Coffee. That's where we post our weekly resources, things like the tip line from today and pictures from every case. You could also go onto our Instagram at Crime, Cults & Coffee. And that's where we post the coffees that we reviewed every week and pictures from cases, as well as our link tree in our bio. You can see all of the platforms that we are on. And again, just a shout out to everybody. We made our goal for Drew Molinari's billboard to be built. And uh, his mom is just so appreciative. And uh, as are we. You guys are incredible. So we can't thank you enough for that.
0: Yeah, check out the picture of it. We posted on Instagram. Of the billboard that some of our listeners helped with. Amazing. So if you have a case suggestion or a listener story, you can reach out to us. Either DM us at Crime Coffee on Instagram or send us an email at crimecoltsandcoffee@gmail.com. at gmail.com. We love getting those from you guys. Yes. If you would be so kind to leave us a rate and review on Apple Podcasts, if you listen there, we would – so deeply appreciate it and we will send you free stickers if you do not listen to us on apple podcasts fear not you can like you can subscribe you can follow us and our podcast will notify you when we have new episodes out every week amazing and that's about it
1: so we will see you guys next week
0: yeah we're gonna go party our asses off fuck yeah Catch you next week <laughs> <laughs> bye Bye.